And what I want to do is I want to talk about how to make five offers a day in less than an hour. Five offers a day in less than an hour. Who wants to learn how to do this? Okay, and I've got a very specific process that I want to show you how to do this. In fact, if you think about it, five offers a day, that's 25 a week. That's 100 a month. And I want to show you how to do it in 10 minutes or less per offer so that it's really about an hour a day to do this. And I do want to qualify, I am talking about warm leads. So I'm not talking about cold calling, I'm talking about warm leads. So I'm making an assumption that you're on the phone with a distressed property and you have a seller who wants to sell. That's the only qualifications. Distressed property and they want to sell. And I don't care if it's written or verbal. Okay, it can be written or verbal. This does not include follow-ups. Follow-ups would not be part of the five a day. These would be new offers five a day. And what I want to do is I want to make this promise to you. Aaron mentioned it. If you do this, if you make 100 offers in the next 30 days, you will get a great deal. You will. It's a numbers game. It will happen. It might be the 27th. It might be the 74th. It might be the 99th. But if you follow what I'm going to show you here and outline for you, you will get a great deal that you can wholesale for 10 or 15 or $20,000 in the next 30 days. Who's excited about that? Okay, let's do it. Okay, so I want to I want to first lay the groundwork. I want to put the foundation in place about the mindset of making offers. So I want to talk about five very important principles and then I want to do I want to show you a specific five-step process for doing this. So, principle number 1 is to focus on offers and not calls. Okay, so we tend to want to measure how many calls we make, but I want to change that and shift that a little bit to not calls, but offers, meaning the benchmark of success, your KPI, the most important KPI you have in acquisitions for me and my team is offers. We're going to do whatever we got to do to get leads and get on the phones or get in front of sellers, but we measure the number of offers that we make on a daily basis. That is our most important KPI. Big mindset shift to go from calls to offers. Principle number two, the purpose of making offers is not to get deals. Now that sounds, that sounds counterintuitive, right? What do you mean, Jerry, the purpose of making offers is to not get deals? We don't make offers to get deals, we make offers to uncover a motivated seller. You guys see the difference? Does that make sense? The offer is how you really find out where a seller's at. You can talk about anything you want to talk about and, and pre-qualify and disqualify, and all of those things are important. That conversation's important, but unless you put a number in front of a seller or an agent, you will never really know, you will never have given that lead a fair shake. Okay, and the, the principle here is that we do not create motivation. A lot of us think that we need these incredible sales skills, and sales skills definitely are important, but I want my team to have to be able to close deals and get deals with zero sales skills. And the way that we can close deals with zero sales skills is by not creating motivation, but finding somebody already motivated. They already want to sell at a discount right now. That's who we're looking for. Does that make sense? Principle number three, the asking price the asking price is insignificant to making offers. How many of you have seen a list price or maybe a seller throws out a number that they want 
and you run your formula and you're like, oh shoot, I need to be at half of what the list price is. Anybody done that? Or even lower. And you're like, oh man, what a waste of time. And you move on. Okay. What did you just do? You assume that because there's a high list price that they're not motivated. Motivation and list price, there is not a correlation there. Sometimes there is, but you cannot assume that because it's overpriced that there's not motivation. I cannot tell you how many deals I've done where I bought at half of asking price. Okay, does it happen every day? No, but will it happen? Yes, we always make the offer regardless of asking price. Okay, you got one job, make the offer. Okay, principle number four, no doesn't mean no. We tend to think that no means they're not interested, they're not motivated, we don't have a deal here, and no only means no right now. But what do we know about motivation? Motivation changes weekly, it changes daily, it changes hourly. I was sharing with somebody a story that happened to me where uh, we were on the phone with a seller, we made our offer, they said no. Five minutes later, the seller calls back and says, hey, is that offer still good? And we're like, well, yeah, what's going on? And he said, well, as soon as I hung up with you, I got a call from the city and they're giving me a citation because somebody threw a rock and broke my window and now I'm getting a fine. And I'm just sick and tired of this property. I'm done. I want out. I'll take that number you gave me five minutes ago. They went from completely unmotivated to what? Very motivated in a five-minute window. Okay, so knowing that motivation changes weekly, daily, hourly allows you to not take no as a rejection. And what happens when we feel rejected when we get no's from sellers and we take that as rejection? We make that mean something about us. We we make it personal. What happens? What happens to your energy on the phone? What happens to your attitude? What happens to the way you show up when you take rejection personally? Yeah, you're not going to show up your best self. You're not going to bring your A game to the next call. You're going to have the wrong energy and you're going to self-sabotage, right? Isn't that what happens? Okay, so it's a mindset shift to what no means. I like to say, for every no I get, I'm that much closer to a yes. Anybody like that one? Who uses that one? That one's powerful, very powerful. A no is that much closer to a yes. Okay, principle number five, making offers is all about the numbers. It's all about the numbers. It's the law of averages. A hundred legit offers a month will produce one deal. Now, in the beginning, when you, when you don't have maybe the best leads or you don't have the right skill set, maybe you're working on your scripts and your negotiations, as you're, when you're new, you may have a one to a hundred ratio, meaning you have to make a hundred offers to get that one good deal. Who's okay to make, who's okay to get 99 no's for the one yes that you can wholesale for $15,000? Who's okay to do that? Okay, good. Seems like most people are okay to do that. As you get better, you're going to change that ratio. It's going to go from 100, 1 to 100 to 1 to 50. And if you get you know, as good as everyone that's coming up here on this stage, you might go to 1 to 25 and maybe even 1 to 10. So now that same 100 offers is getting you four deals a month or five deals a month. And that's as you improve, as you grow, as you develop, as you get better, you improve those ratios. So I'm assuming right now at, a, at 100 to 1 that this is brand new. You're, you're not overly confident on the phone yet. You don't really have your sales processes dialed in. That's all okay. 
if you're just willing to put in the work, if you're just willing to do the numbers, do the 100 offers, you will get that one deal. And I have a mantra that I live by, and I try to teach this to my students. I talk about it on my YouTube channel. Has anybody ever heard me say this? The more offers I make, the more deals I'll get, and the more money I'll make. You guys say it with me? The more offers I make, the more deals I'll get, and the more money I'll make. You want to make more money? What do you need to do? Make more offers. It really does come down to that. Just make more offers. If your ratio is, let's say it's one in 50, and you want to do four deals a month, how many offers do you need to make? Well, if it's one in 50, 200 offers. Just make more offers. You want to double your, your, your deals, your contract ratio? Make more offers. Okay? All right. So, again, I want to go back to this promise. Make 100 offers in the next 30 days, and you will get a deal. Who's, who's up for this challenge? Who wants to take this challenge? You guys do it? I want you to reach out to me and tell me what number offer you were on when you got that deal. Okay? I want to know. I want to, I want to hear from you because I believe this wholeheartedly. I've tested this. I've, I've given this challenge. And I don't think it's ever not worked. Okay? As long as you've made legit offers to sellers. Okay. So now let's talk about the process. I want to talk about how we get there. And I have a concept that I follow in my business, which is contract first, due diligence second. And I want to take a minute and break this down and, and really make sure you grasp this idea. A lot of people that get into this business, they think the opposite. They think, I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to run all my numbers. I'm going to make sure I've got a great deal. And when I feel super confident about my number, then I'm going to get a contract. Who's, who's done it that way or thought that way? Yeah, that's how we're taught to do things. What is it about a contract that we're so intimidated by? Anybody know? Yeah, we think I'm signing this contract here and now it's legally binding. That's what they taught me all along. That's kind of how our society works. If I don't perform on this contract, something bad is going to happen. Okay, something bad is going to happen. What is the worst thing that's going to happen if you don't perform on a contract? I mean, they could sue for, you know, for damages and all of that, but is that really going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to lose your earnest money would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. What if you don't have earnest money? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? The seller's pissed at you. The real estate agent's pissed at you. Somebody's mad at you. And what are they going to do with that property when you don't perform on the contract? What's the seller going to do? Sell it to somebody else and move on in life. Okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. You're not going to get kicked out of your house. You're not going to, no one's going to take you to jail. Those things don't happen. That's why there's earnest money. And if you're direct to seller, you may not even have earnest money. If you're doing on market, I do a lot of on market. You might have $500, $1,000 or whatever in earnest money. That's in jeopardy. Okay, that is in jeopardy. You could lose that if you don't perform on the contract. My point is not to not perform on contracts. That's not my point. We never want to not perform on contracts. My point is don't be so fearful of the contract. So going back to this, this way of doing the business, I want to spend the least possible amount of time before the contract. It's not that I don't do due diligence. It's the timing of due diligence. When do we do due diligence? After the contract. So what I want to do is I want to, as fast and as quick as I can, get to a reasonable number on my offer or on the deal, and I want to get a contract with the seller. Once I have that contract, 
now I'm going to spend the necessary time to do the due diligence. I don't go look at properties before I have contracts, usually, most of the time. I don't run comps and spend all this time and do all this analysis until when? After I have the contract. So that's what I want to show you. There's, there's two very important reasons why. The first reason is due diligence is time-consuming. Who's done this? Tell me if you've done this. Tell me if you've gotten a lead, you go meet the seller at the property, you walk the property, you tell the seller, you know what, um, I got to come back with my contractors and run numbers. You go back with contractors, you run all these numbers, you do this analysis, you, you sit in front of your computer and you run comps for two hours. Okay, I've got a number and you present your number finally to the seller and the seller says no. Who's done that? Who's invested five, six hours on one lead? Who's done it? I know you've all done it. I've done that. And I'm like, oh man, how am I going to make this business succeed? I can, you know, six hours per offer and I can make a handful of offers a week and you lose steam, you quit and give up and leave the business. It's because you're spending way too much time on analysis. You're also going to get crushed by your competition because when you meet with that seller and you leave to go run numbers and then Jerry comes in behind you, I'm walking out with the contract. While you're doing your due diligence, I just came in and got the contract. Okay, so you cannot do it this way. You've got to shift from contract first, due diligence second. Let me show you how we do this. Um, okay, so there's a five-step process I like to do. Step one is to ballpark your number. Okay, ballpark your offer price. I call this a quick analysis. And there's multiple ways you can get to your number. Does everybody have a formula they follow when wholesaling? Right, we tend to have a formula. We're going to take the ARV. We're going to take a percentage of that off. And then we're going to subtract repairs. We're going to figure out our wholesale fee. And there's our offer. Everybody with me on that? Is anybody, anybody lost on that part? We have an analysis process. You're, un, you're unfamiliar with that. Well, we want to buy at a discount, right? Because if we're going to wholesale it, we got to buy it deep enough to where we can take it to a buyer, a cash buyer, at a number where they want to buy it. There's enough meat on the bone for them to do their thing, fix it up and flip it or keep it and rent it, whatever it is. So we've got to buy at a steep enough discount. Well, how do we figure out what that discount number is so that I can wholesale it for 10 or 15,000? That's the analysis part. But we can quickly get to that. When I first started and I didn't have any formulas or calculators or anything, I would simply take half of Zillow or 60% of Zillow. And that was my offer. Whatever Zillow said the property was, I'd go 60%, there's my offer. And I'd make my offer. Okay. Now, I have a deal analyzer. You guys can have it. It's free. It's built in formulas. If you just go to mydealanalyzer.com, it's really cool because what it does is it runs all of the numbers for you in literally the push of a button. The way it works, if you're interested, is it takes all of the sold homes and the zip code and it gives you an average price per square foot. It takes the square footage of your deal, multiplies the numbers, and it gives you an ARV. Is it accurate? No, because it's ballparking. It's taking the entire zip code. It's not taking the neighborhood, but does it give you a high-level picture? Gives you a high-level picture. Then what I have is an algorithm for the repairs. You choose, is it light, average, or heavy on the repairs? Light is carpet, carpet paint, average is carpet paint, kitchen, bath, and heavy is everything else. So you click one, and it'll, it'll give you an algorithm for the cost of repairs. It runs all the numbers for your soft costs, and boom, you decide your wholesale fee, and it tells you your buy price. It's a done-for-you calculator. 
Okay, if you use this, you'll have a ballpark number literally in 30 seconds. Step two is make a verbal offer. Okay, so you're going to give your number at some point in that conversation, go through your scripts and all of that, but you're going to make that verbal offer. If you need scripts, I'll give you my scripts. I have very specific scripts I use with agents and I have very specific scripts I use with sellers. Here's the links. They're totally free. You can download them and start using those. Everybody take a picture of that if you want those, agentofferscripts.com or freesellerscripts.com. They're the scripts I use with my team on all the deals that we do. Everybody got that? Step three is to get that contract. Now, one of the things we do in my business is we never say sign a contract. Why do we never say sign a contract? What is wrong with that language? Yeah, it goes back to that legally binding idea. Sign a contract. I'm not signing a contract. I got to have my attorney look at this. What do you mean sign a contract? They think the same thing. Something bad's going to happen if I sign a contract, right? We say approve this agreement. Doesn't that sound way different? Oh, approve an agreement? I can do that. Sign a contract? I need my lawyer to look at that, okay? Small things make big differences. So once we've made that verbal offer, we are going to now approve a contract. Now, we do this since I do all my business uh, virtually, meaning we don't meet sellers at their house. We do it on the phone. We're going to do this with a digital contract right on the phone. In fact, we don't hang up the phone. What happens if I say, hey, uh, let's, I'll call you back in an hour and, uh, and we'll go over the contract? Yeah. Or what happens if you send them your offer in writing and then you follow up with them after you send it? What's going to happen? They're going to ghost you, but what else are they going to do with that written contract you just sent them? They're going to shop you. Guess how I know that? So what we do is we say, hey, are you in front of your computer? Great. I'm going to send you over right now while we're on the phone an agreement. We're going to walk through this together. All you need to do is click, click, click to approve it, and we're good to go. Right on the phone. Right in that 10-minute window, guys. Right on the in this conversation with the seller. Okay, step, and by the way, if you are part of my CRM Flipster, we have digital contracts that come standard with the software, as many as you want. You just fill it out, send it right to the seller. It's DocuSign style, right? So the seller can literally open it up on his phone or on his computer and click to approve and you're done. It sends it right back to you. Now you have an executed contract. Uh, and you can just go to uh, joinflipster.com to do a seven-day free trial if you're looking to to do that. Uh, now, the one thing that's very important in this whole process is an inspection contingency. What's an inspection contingency? What is that? This is what gives you the right to then do your due diligence. Okay, so what it says is it says you have the right for one day, three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, whatever you put in your, in your contract, you have that window of time to do an inspection. Now, doesn't necessarily mean that you hire a third-party inspector to go in the home, right? But it gives you that window of time to do what? Your due diligence. Now is when you do your analysis. During the inspection contingency timeframe. That's when you send somebody to go to the property. That's when you run comps and crunch numbers. And this is also, if you're a wholesaler, this is also when you talk to who? Your cash buyers, and you get your cash buyers into the property, and ideally, you secure your cash buyer during the inspection contingency window. 
we like to go 10 days. That gives me plenty of time to do everything I need to do. Okay, and it looks like this. Once we come to an agreement, I'll need a few days to perform an inspection to make sure that there aren't any unforeseen, unforeseen issues. To do that, I'll need to get into the property so that I can go there with my partners, my investors, and my contractors. By the way, who are your partners and investors if you're a wholesaler? Your cash buyers. That's right, your cash buyers. I need to get in there with my partners and investors. And then I always say this, in the event that something comes up that I wasn't anticipating, something that I don't right now know about the property, I'm going to let you know right away. Now, what is that language doing with you and the seller? What are you prepping the seller for? Well, you've done how much due diligence at this point in time? Zero or very little. Have you seen the property? Do you know what kind of condition it's in? Do you know if your offer price is even remotely good? Not really because you haven't really spent any time on it yet. You see where that window of time does that for you. And it preps the seller, if you use the right language, that if something comes up, you're going to let him know right away. Meaning you're preparing for a renegotiation if and when that's necessary. So that step four is, is to now perform the due diligence. I've, we've got a contract. Now we perform that due diligence. And then the last step is renegoti renegotiate if necessary. Now, what I do, because I never just go back to a seller and say, I need a better deal. What's that going to do if you just say, oh, I, I need a lower price? Or you go back to the agent and you say, you know what, during my due diligence, uh, I want to renegotiate a better price. What's that going to do? You're going to burn a bridge with an agent. You're going to piss off a seller. Everyone's going to be mad at you. No one likes to be renegotiated, do they? So how's it look? How do we do this? Well, what I do is if I'm wholesaling, Whose feedback am I getting about the property? Who's, who's actually doing the due diligence? Your cash buyers are. So if I send 20 cash buyers into this property and I get feedback from all of these cash buyers, what do I now learn about my property? Everything I need to know. Is it a good neighborhood? What are the rents? What are the, what's the real number on the repairs? What's the real ARV? Who's going to tell you the ARV better than cash buyers who are active in the market? So now you're armed with all of this feedback. And let's say, for example, that you've got a contract for 100,000 and you're trying to wholesale it for 120 and you send your cash buyers in there and the most your cash buyers, the best price your cash buyers give you is let's say 100,000. You got a problem, right? Contract at 100,000, your highest paying buyer is 100,000. Who sees a problem there? Yeah. Now, when you go back to the seller, what do you need to be able to tell that seller? Hey, 100,000 doesn't work, and here's why. I didn't realize that the roof needed replaced. I didn't know that it was on a busy road and that's affecting the, the retail value. I didn't know that rents were only 800. I thought they were 1,100. Whatever the feedback is you're getting from your cash buyers is now your ammunition to have an intelligent conversation with a seller. What I found is if you can be totally reasonable and totally logical with a seller about why your number doesn't work, then most sellers are open at least. Maybe they won't agree to do a reduction, but at least they're open-minded about why you need to do a price reduction. Does that make sense? Okay. And so I want to go back to the, the challenge here that I want to give everybody is make 100 offers in the next 30 days and you will get a deal that you wholesale for 10 or 15 or 20,000, whatever it is, you will get a deal You've just got to follow this process. Remember the principles. 
you cannot overspend your time before the contract. You've got to get to a contract first, then do the proper due diligence. And if you follow that process and you follow those steps, my promise to you is you will do 100 offers or you will get a deal if you make 100 offers in the next 30 days. Guys, say this with me again. Everybody say it with me right now. The more offers I make, the more deals I'll get, and the more money I'll make. That's how this business works. Thank you, everybody.